You're listening to the Urban Yogi Podcast. I'm your host, Will Blunderfield. I'm a psych major, a kundalini yoga teacher, spin instructor, recording artist, and a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher in training. Join me in this free-flowing conversation, exploring what it means to live with balance in the 21st century. Matt Stern is known for his infectious melodies and authentic heart-centered lyrics. Born in Montreal and based on Vancouver Island, his songs have reached audiences in France, Germany, Nicaragua, South Korea, and Japan. In live performance, he is known for his uplifting energy, warmth, and ability to spontaneously inspire a sense of community. Matt is currently participating in a year-long masterclass with renowned vocal improviser Rhiannon, that's Bobby McFerrin's Voicestra. He has performed with burlesque dancer The Velvet Unicorn, and his song Precious and Sacred was published for author Deborah Aboud's book dedicated to Indigenous children. He performs in Japanese, French, English, and Spanish, and has been invited to be a featured performer this year at Campbell Bay Music Festival in the Victoria Francophone Festival and Songbird North. Today we have a heart-to-heart discussion on music, gender, sexuality, and Matt's unique journey in music, performance arts, and dance as a warm-hearted being, an empath, and a very talented musician. Hope you enjoy. Just sort of like maybe inherited habits of Mm -hmm. feeling very responsible for people around me. So so like at the end of a a night like last night, I can feel very drained of my however mm-hmm. we want to see like prana or because you care you care about everybody you and want I feel responsible feel good. Yeah. yeah and I want to do that keep doing that but in a way that doesn't feel like self-sacrificial mm-hmm. it's always a bit of a challenge I think navel point I find strengthening the navel point really helps mm-hmm. connecting to the third chakra which mm-hmm. is like two fingers below the belly button right there yeah and just being aware is that like, the sacral chakra or is yeah that... in, in most traditions yeah one of my teachers at the Kundalini says that it's like the spirit womb. Like women have an actual womb, yeah. but men and women and trans people have a spirit womb where the spirit resides and just being there. A lot of people are disconnected from their navels, myself included, pinched off from it for many years. Mm-hmm. And when we're disconnected from the navel point, we, um, we like overly care about externals and um, we eat too much, we buy too much. We're like consumers. Yeah. Whereas when we're in the navel point, we're like creators. And we can handle more things. It's like martial arts. This relates to what Rabbit was saying about people mm. in Vancouver. They were saying... Yeah. The, the, Disconnect from their bodies. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that. I don't know if that's because of all the marijuana consumption. I don't, that could be oh. part of it. I don't know. I was curious about that too. It affects people differently and I don't, I don't judge. In Kundalini, they say that it... Yogi Bhajan says that it kind of can pinch off the flow of nutrients to your brain to a certain degree mm. and kind of dry up your, your brain. But I think it really affects everybody differently. Well, I, I don't have much experience with it myself, so I'm. that's one of the things I wonder. Like, does it connect people more or less, in a, in a sense? Like, mm. does it make... Because my perception of, of people in that state is usually that... Usually a kind of indifference. Usually, like, like they're really enjoying it. They don't really care what's happening around. They're really like, I'm good. You can do whatever. Right. That's kind of like when I do Kratom. Have you heard of Kratom? No. Kratom? It's it's a type of leaf, almost like a coffee leaf, but it's more sedative, like Mm -hmm. an opiate. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I do that, like, just to relax myself. My friend Steve Curtis um, got me into it. 
and I probably do it once a month and it feels really nice it's kind of like instead of alcohol because I don't really like to drink that much mm -hmm. but that too I've noticed I kind of become indifferent which is kind of a relief because I feel like I'm kind of like you sometimes like yeah. I really care and it can be draining when I care so much about other people at the expense of my own self yeah um, but uh, yeah that's... the naval point you know what I have to say now because I've experimented with the Kratom and I've experimented with practices that keep me in my navel point. Yeah. Being in the navel point feels far more satisfying than just zoning out through drugs. Yeah. Whether they're natural or, or chemical or whatever. I've tried many different things. Being sovereign and feeling feeling like a martial artist in the present mm -hmm. moment is mm -hmm. far more satisfying than, than just zoning out. Mm -hmm. But there are times when you might need to zone out and, you know, yeah. nothing's good or bad only thinking makes it so as William Shakespeare says so. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I also know interpersonally like this like being one on one is so much um, it's easier for me to feel that kind of gra grounded centeredness mm -hmm. than in a more dispersed atmosphere me too yeah yeah are you an empath would you say mm -hmm. you're <laughs> hard <laughs> <laughs> me as well yes yeah just knowing how to manage that like we talked about on the phone how yes. to m manage the energy mm -hmm. it's a beautiful gift to be an empath but mm -hmm. um, again not at the expense of ourselves mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I started doing this program called mindfulness based stress reduction oh, I've heard of that That's John Kabat-Zinn yeah. yeah yeah I was just listening to his book on the way here full catastrophe living and they're teaching us the body scan, which is where like you start at your navel point, just lie down, just bring your hands to your navel point, and you bring your awareness down to your big toe, your left big toe, mm -hmm. and you just kind of stay there. And it's just the discipline of giving love to yourself. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. Mm -hmm. Spending 45 minutes doing that every day is, is helping me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll send you the, I can send you the tape. Yeah, please do. I've, I've made forays into it when I had um, issues with back pain a couple of years ago. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very good. Hmm. Yeah. Which is another, like, people use um, substances for that too, for, mm -hmm. like, for, man for managing pain. Yeah. Yeah. But I think this is another option. Yeah, there's many options, and maybe it's a combination of things. And mm. I know, I can only speak from my experience, and when I was doing marijuana, I would get really anxious mm. and my comfort zone in the past has been anxiety I don't know why maybe because of my past and growing up and feeling different and feeling bullied etc so relaxing into joy is kind of like stepping out of my zone of comfort mm. and so I found that marijuana was not helping me do that because mm. it was it, maybe it was making me feel joy too fast and I, my system wasn't ready I was like whoa yeah. I've also heard that marijuana, every plant has a certain frequency or vibration, mm. and every human has a certain frequency or vibration. So it's about compatibility. Yeah. So, so if your vibration is typically higher than that of the marijuana, and you're doing marijuana, you might be bringing your frequency down, which mm. is not being your true self. Whereas if your vibration, for whatever reason, is typically lower than the frequency of that plant, and you do the plant, it might help you mm -hmm. train, up-level yourself. As long as you don't become dependent on it. So. That's interesting because that's easily observable like, that we all have different dispositions, different like um, default frequencies mm -hmm. in how, like, how energetic everyone is. Like some yeah. people are, have trouble 
like having motivation and yeah. other people have trouble getting getting out. Going. Like I did rhodiola. I did rhodiola. I took some rhodiola this morning, which is kind of this is the lore. All these ones I've never heard oh, of. Oh, it's like um, <laughs> it's a stress. It's an adaptogen that apparently the Vikings took before battle. Mm. So I took some of that this morning from Wild Rose, which is a, a company that I respect and believe in. Mm. Um, and then I taught a spin class, mm-hmm. and I almost felt like too much of a warrior. And I was like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't actually know if I need this. So it's kind of about exploring these amazing plants and seeing what combination or what works for you. Yeah. I re- only recently got into coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's another... It seems to have a very positive impact on me. That's good. But there can be the risk of being... Yeah. The crash? Just yeah, the off. crash and the lack of balance. Right. And like um, excited energy that has no roots. Yeah. Of, you know? Well, there's things you can do. Because um, I don't really drink coffee because I get too excited. Yeah. But um, I was interviewing this lady named Kathy Scott last week, and her husband gave me some reishi coffee. Mm. So it was tons of reishi mushroom with, yeah. with a bit of coffee. And that was actually pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the reishi kind of helped bring me into my heart and ground me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think there's a company called Four Sigmatic that get reishi coffee from they're all over health food stores now if i lived in vancouver i would yeah. be all over this i stuff. know there i know there's probably too. it's probably going to expand more and more mm. but uh yeah i know i feel the same about coffee so many different plants plants are amazing what do you yeah. think about mushrooms mushrooms yeah like, like, like medicinal or just mushrooms in general i think i've become curious about them well like reishi and chaga and mm-hmm. the more because it's becoming much more mainstream to hear about them yeah right I was at this place, the first part of the vocal workshop was in Hawaii, right? I nice. was telling you I was in yeah. on Maui. With Rhiannon? Yeah. Cool. Your and voice teacher. I, yes. Um, I was in this little town called Paia. Paia. It's like a very tourist surfing town. Nice. Like a lot, mostly foreigners, very few locals there. Mm. But um, I was in this little shop where they served hot cocoa and all sorts of mushroom-based concoctions. Cool. And I really, I've always liked potions. So like yeah. the fact that smoothies and mushroom-based drinks are becoming mainstream. Becoming mainstream. I'm, I'm pretty into it. That's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like potions, too. I, yeah, ever since I was little. Like yeah, I used to make potions out of, like, soap. Totally. Did you do yeah, that, too? Yeah. <laughs> and then my mom said she would, because she'd encourage us in our creativity, uh-huh. but she found that eventually, like, they'd become very toxic, and she didn't know what to do with them anymore, because she, she didn't want to put them down the toilet. She didn't right. want to <laughs> put them in the earth. Cesspools. Of, yeah. Like, just get different chemicals. That. Yeah, my brothers and I totally used to do that, too. It's funny. <laughs> the sibling thing. Make a potion together. Was there always yeah. the point where you'd be like, now we're going to add toothpaste? Yeah, <laughs> toothpaste, yeah. Changes totally. the consistency of everything. I remember that. I remember one time my friend Andrew and I made a potion out of um, baking soda and vinegar. Oh, yeah. And then I drank it. Oh, no. Oh, and we also put detergent in it. Oh, no. And I just like coughing up bubbles like I was like literally <laughs> blowing on bubbles you it washed was, your own mouth out with I, soap. I did it to myself uh-huh. yeah yeah so that was that's funny. the danger too yeah never again <laughs> um, yeah so where's your next stop you were just performing in Vancouver you're performing again tonight with Annie Becker yeah where's that happening it's at the James Black Gallery nice and then where's your next destination uh, tomorrow we head to Seattle nice for a couple of days and um some of the shows we're doing are more formal, like cool. to, like the ones in Vancouver, and some are house concerts at friends' houses, God. which will be really fun in a different yeah. way. Yeah, you know? I'm getting into house concerts myself. Yeah, you were saying. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Like yeah. backyard, set up a little stage. It's, yeah, it's nice. It's intimate. 
I used to want to be like this famous star, but now all I want to do is just feel good in my own body and be around good people. That's like all I yeah. care about. Yeah. Yeah, the, I've had a lot of conversations about like that narrative, like being a star of fame and celebrity and stuff, and I just feel like it, it's a distraction from... Very Piscean. Yeah. Like the Piscean age of, of hierarchies yeah. versus the Aquarian age of like, we're all stars. Yeah. And, and when I think here, about... Sorry. We're all here to be happy and shine. And, and when you put up somebody on a pedestal, you better put yourself up there with them because we're all the same. We and I, I think a lot about how that harms people, the people we're doing that to, like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Lady Gaga or Beyonce or something. Like they're human people. And um, the expectations that they be otherwise, I think it's... More power to them for surviving that, but a lot of the people don't. Like, yeah. It kind of, um, yeah, it, it's, um, it's crazy. And Gaga has so many health problems now. Like, I know. I, saw, I watched, did you see her most recent documentary, yeah. Five Foot Two? It's like, holy moly, to enable to endure that amount of pressure and intensity and lifestyle, she, she has to literally like, go into like, hyperbaric chambers every day, and she's in so much pain, and God bless her. You know, I she's s- really move the ball forward on, on equality and what have you, but part of me just goes like, there's gotta be a softer route. Yeah, I saw an interview between her and Jamie Lee Curtis. It's like a series mm-hmm. where um, performers interview each other, mm-hmm. and they were asking each other about fame, how yeah. they deal with it, and being in the public eye, and Jamie Lee Curtis was saying, well, she takes like secret routes to the store, she finds ways to avoid the paparazzi and that kind of thing, and she asked Lady Gaga how she felt about fame, and she, her answer was, well, obviously anyone who observes my trajectory will say I've wanted fame and that's been the goal, but the thing that's really hard and every day is not, she just loves people yeah. and she can't have a normal conversation with a person. Right. And yeah, that really stayed with me. I've repeated that to pe- a lot of people who have, when they talk about fame as an attractive thing, I'm yeah. like, that, try to imagine that, you know? Yeah, it would be so hard. Yeah. I was at a party a few nights ago, and there was a, a famous person there. And I, I found myself, my ego, looking at her exterior and kind of going, oh, my God, it's a star, and getting kind of nervous. Mm-hmm. And I was like, William, stop. And I looked right into her eyes, and that seemed to really help. Just, yeah. like, stare so right into the soul and just... It helped mm-hmm. bring it down to earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we sang together, and it was fun. Yay. <laughs> <It's> really, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to ask you about gender and sexuality. What mm, is your fun. feeling about gender and sexuality? Um, Ever-changing. Mm. Um, I think I, I have a, a really idealistic bent that has lends me to feel like I'd love for it to be not a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, sort of really be ourselves in the full spectrum of expression and love in a way that it's beyond categories. Mm. Obviously, we're not there yet. <laughs> um, Do you feel like there might be pockets of society that are there, and the more we tune ourselves to that way of living, the more we will find them? Yeah. Um, one of my brothers just had a baby last year, I think I told you, my niece Emma. And he's really... It's really important to him to do things intentionally and not just adhere to convention. And... Mm-hmm. I find people are amused by it, but they also think, oh, Rich is being, like, extreme or something. And I really 
In think, what sense is he um, not wanting to go with a convention? Like, we'll with, say, for instance, with, with gender norms. Yeah. Um, with his baby. Yeah. I see. So he, yeah. d he wants to avoid gendered pronouns as much as possible. Mm -hmm. He wants, he really calls people out on saying any princess stuff, calling her a mm. princess or saying she's so pretty, focus on her appearance. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, again, I think people often respond to that being like, oh, he's being extreme. Like, what, what's wrong with calling her pretty? But I really see where he's coming from. It. I and see it too. I, yeah, I think people yeah. have a hard time letting go of what they know. But I just see possibility. Yeah. I see it as yeah. a positive thing. Like, yeah. to, to just remember that this beautiful little being mm -hmm. um, has the full spectrum of possibilities available to her. Mm -hmm. And we, if, if we're careful and thoughtful about it, we can not restrict those. Right. You know? Um, I think that's beautiful. How do you identify gender-wise? Um, identify as male, and with the caveat just related to that is that I don't want that to be restrictive in any way. So I don't mm -hmm. want being male to mean I have to <laughs> be gruff or mm -hmm. be um, strong in every moment or be male. Yeah, good at sports. Yeah, any of those things. Right. And so I found just in recent years, I'm making up for lost time by getting more into dance expression and cool really a lot with movement because I yeah, I saw you guys dancing last night it was amazing who's the fellow's name in your group Jacob Jacob yeah you guys are really good dancers thanks yeah you guys can move yeah it was inspiring yeah we've had some interesting talks already we just started our tour but amongst the four of us we've talked a bit about gender and our different ways of where we come from what our mm. experiences are really vary so that's cool and sexuality how would you if you had to define yourself, what would you say? Um, I find the term that I use depends on who I'm talking to, because mm -hmm. different terms, different people have different associations with terms. Mm -hmm. I know, f for myself, it's just open. Like I could love oh. anyone, be attracted fluid. to anyone. Fluid. Yeah, I like the word fluid. Some people won't understand that term, so I'll say bisexual. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I always thought it was interesting that like we're on unceded First Nations land mm -hmm. and the people who were the gays and lesbians and the bi's and the trans people of that time, they didn't have those words, mm -hmm. but it was more like two-spirit. And often these people would like, if it was a dude, a male-bodied person, be like a fierce warrior on, on the battlefield and then they would come home and put on a dress. Yeah. And they were able to embody both aspects of, of humanness, the, the masculine and the feminine, that, uh, in a really strong way. And I thought, I really sort of aspired to to be like that myself when I heard about that. I said, that's really, that really resonates with my soul. Me too. I really, really too on that. Because mm -hmm. I think, again, there's a lot we can be and I don't see any reason to limit that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, and that variety is enriching. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. And that variety enables us to relate, you know, like to relate to a, more people. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as we identify really strict, really adhere really strictly to an identity, say I'm this and not that, there's maybe often a little part of us that's like, and I, and I want to dismiss that. Yeah. Like I'm, when you label me, you. What was what's that Nietzsche quote? When you. Oh yeah. You when you me. label me, you negate me. Yeah. It's always a dichotomous mm -hmm. notion, and. Yeah, it's fun to be. It's fun to be yourself beyond labels. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people are are scared of that, but the most important thing is that you feel good. So. Yeah, and that's why I, sa I said that too at the beginning of our conversation. Um, seeing you perform 
and just and not holding back I think is really related to that thanks man yeah it's thank you thanks for the opportunity it was nice to to play with you guys and, mm -hmm. and to do the little collaborations and at the end I'd love to that planted a seed for me for sure cool that more. Yeah, that's what I try to remember too it's all planting seeds so yeah. things don't have to go as, as planned ever it's mm -hmm. just like it, it's, it's a continuous process yes for sure and then I want to ask you about your music specifically um, mm -hmm. like the French song that you sang was so beautiful mm -hmm. I've always loved French and mm -hmm. it's such a lovely language to sing in were you born francophone or did you start speaking both or how did that work I was born anglophone so there's okay. like an anglophone minority in Montreal okay, in cool. Quebec um, and so my family's English speaking but I went to French immersion school mm -hmm. and but still in French immersion school most of the students were anglophone so it was really only later maybe when I was like 17 or 18 mm -hmm. where I started to get more intensely into music creation and recording nice. in the studio nice. that I made francophone friends and in college actually so then I started to have real relationships in French, so I had a foundation and then started living in French more, and it became more a core part of my life, to the point where, now that I'm on the West Coast and I don't get to use it much, I really miss it. So, mm. so the fact that I'm singing in French... Can you sing a little something in French right now for yeah. me? Um, Comme si je n'existais pas Elle est passée à côté de moi Sans un regard de sabbat j'ai dit Aïcha prends tout est pour toi voici les perles les bijoux aussi l'or autour de ton cou les fruits bien mûrs au goût de miel ma vie Aïcha si tu m'aimes so that's a Beautiful. song. Thank Is you. Is that something you wrote? No, that's a classic 90s song oh, that wow. we're going to sing tonight. We were just jamming on it. Nice. What's it called? Aisha. Aisha. And I love the meaning of it too. Mm -hmm. Like, um, my group singing with me mm -hmm. doesn't speak French much, mm -hmm. but... Um, so they just feel it, which is one also... One speaks Ukrainian. Or is, one is that One speaks the Ukrainian and Russian, Valentina. Okay, cool. yeah. um, Olivia speaks Spanish. Cool. Um, Jacob's learning French. Nice. Multifaceted. Uh, yeah, so we, it gives us more options. Again, yeah. like just a full palette. Mm -hmm. And this song, people feel it even if they don't know the meaning, but when they learn the meaning, it's um, the singer is speaking of devotion to a woman in Aisha, kind of like admiring her beauty, that kind of maybe traditional trope. Mm -hmm. But there's this part in the middle where she responds mm -hmm. and she says, because he's offering her, here's like all these treasures. You can have gems and rings and jewelry and ripe fruit um, <laughs> and he's an Algerian singer named uh, Heb Khaled nice. but then she responds and she says you can keep all your treasures um, I'm worth more than that because even even it, it's still bars it's still containment even if it's made out of gold right I want the same rights as you I just want love mm. every day Awesome. Yeah. That's a beautiful message. Yeah. So who it's like sings a, it. Who wrote it? Who wrote it? Yeah. I think. Uh, oh no, Heb Keller didn't write it. Um, I think a French songwriter wrote it from France. Nice. I, I'm forgetting his name offhand, but it's Googleable. Cool. <laughs> I'll definitely check it out. Aisha. Aisha. Um, and it's so catchy. So yeah. yeah. Even if people don't know it, it can easily become a sing along. Yeah. And you wrote a song in Japanese as well. 
Yeah. I heard that on Spotify yesterday, and I was like, this is so beautiful. Yeah, that was with my friend Asami, Asami. who I miss terribly. Yeah. Um, it's called, she's also a yoga teacher, actually. Cool. And I, I was wondering, is she Japanese? But you said she's not Japanese. She is. No, well, she's she is. Japanese. My friend Kira recorded it with Saying me. Saying on it. I see. So it's cool. It's, it's what I love with collaboration. I love collaboration too, man. Keeps evolving. Yeah. We should go into the studio at some point. Definitely. That'd be awesome. We'd Definitely. do like a Japanese, English something. I'd love that. Yeah. Thanks, man. Let's do it. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Um, when are you in Vancouver next? Um, Any plans? Yeah. The next plan time I'm in Vancouver is in September. I'm nice. playing at a show called Songbird North. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, it's at the Roundhouse. Nice. When is that? September 18th. Okay, I think that might be just before I head off to a um, silent retreat, so mm. I'm trying to make it before I go. And awesome. I'll try it. If I can, I'll try to spend some like, a little window of time here, and then that awesome. would be the opportunity. Yeah. Um, I record normally in North Van at Creative Studios, book some dates, and like just make something awesome. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet, man. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah. Let me just check the time. Yeah. I wonder if we could um, sing something. Sing something as as an outro. Something in Japanese you know, that you um, know? Or Japanese or even... Well, yeah, we could sing a few things. Um, there's a song by I called Story, which I really like. I sang a bit sing for a bit you on the phone. Um, how about we each sing something in Japanese and then we sing Imagine by John Lennon together? Okay, sure. <laughs> okay. Yuya kekoya ke no hakatombo Owarete mita no wa I don't remember the words now. Sae no saki I only know a little part of it. That's pretty. Off by heart. <laughs> okay, I'll sing a little bit of... Um, Hitori I'm not alone, you're by my side. I'm standing strong, you give me hope to carry on. You've washed away my fears. Now I know I'm here because I have you near. Toki ganada meteku. Itami to tomoni naga leteku. Hino hikari ga yasashiku te dashite kureru. I'm always here for you. <laughs> I love how in Japanese pop there's off. It's mostly in Japanese and they'll add in a few English phrases. Yeah. I think it's really adorable and synergistic. Nice. Yeah. Okay, imagine. Do you know Imagine by John Lennon? Yeah. Let's sing that. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try No hell below us Above us only sky Imagine all the people Living for today Imagine there's no country. It is 
is it hard to do? Nothing to kill or die for. No religion to. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer. But I'm not the only one Hope someday you will join us And the world will live its own Yeah Yeah Sat <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. Thank Does you. anybody call you Matthew or do you go by Matt? I go by both. I both? like when people call me Matthew. Yeah? It brings me back to childhood more. Cool. Because... My brother's name is Matthew. Oh, everyone has a brother named Matthew. I know, right? <laughs> everyone should have a brother named Matthew. Amen. <laughs> Fellow empath? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that podcast interview as much as I enjoyed interviewing Matthew Stern. I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful day, and I'll see you next week for the next installment of the Urban Yogi Podcast. We'll leave you with a song by Matt Stern called Hideaway. What you gonna say if you can't find me?
So lovely to speak with Lauren. We'll leave you with a song from my new album called All My Life.